0: All right, you can go ahead and be turning back to the book of Genesis. This is the last week that we're going to be in Genesis during this series. Uh, you can turn to Genesis chapter 25, we'll be starting there and then kind of working our way forward. So we're still in our same series that we're calling Cancelled, where we're talking about the idea that, that cancel the, the cancel culture that we're seeing around our society right now, uh, where, 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 where so many are saying, you have done this, you are no longer worthy, you are no longer valuable, we're finished with you, we're done, we're setting you aside. And how that's so counter to the truth of the gospel and the heart of the gospel and what God is saying uh, when he says, even though you are broken, even though our relationship is severed, even though we are far apart from each other, I desire to, I can redeem that. I can bring you back from that. And this week we're talking about about one of the people that would inherit the promise. And we're going to talk about the the promise of God that he is going to do something big through he and his family. But that doesn't mean that he's still picking the perfect people. So many times we, 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 we put these high standards on ourselves. I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to get straight A's. I'm going to never disappoint anyone or anything or have anything below a certain standard that I have made myself to expect. But God is continuing to take imperfect people and accomplish amazing things through them. Uh, I don't know how many of you um, relate really well uh, to Tom Sawyer. Does anybody feel like Tom Sawyer and I, we would be very kindred spirits, right? There's this one part in Tom Sawyer where he's been assigned he's got to go whitewash the fence, right, and paint the fence. And he's like, I don't want to do that. Right? And so what does he do? He just talks about how much fun this is. This is so much fun. I just love whitewashing this fence. Ah, This is so great. Look at how much fun it is. To the point that he eventually convinces all the kids to start paying him to let them do his chore for him. Right? And if you, and if you, and if you know anything about Tom Sawyer, he's super manipulative and he likes to try to take advantage of people to kind of get through and do the things he wants because he's super mischievous. He kind of acts like a child. I mean, he's a kid, right? But so it's not surprising but he acts very childish throughout throughout his story and you see him acting in all these sorts of, you know, irresponsible, childish ways and and I'll be honest, part of why I really wanted to to get into this topic, this series and look at this is because because so much of what I see in our society right now is an immaturity and an inability to recognize that I don't always get my way. Like, like Tom Sawyer in that instance, he's whitewashed them. He's like, I don't want to do this. This isn't fun. I'm going to trick somebody else into doing it for me so that I don't have to do the thing that I don't want to do. And I think there's a lot. I mean, I think that is so natural for us. To, to, to not want to face discomfort, to not want to feel pain, to not want to do things we don't want to do. And I think the, for sure the last two generations that are walking around on this earth have never had more access to, to technology or knowledge or, or wealth or anything than anyone in the history of the earth probably combined, right? But because, because we have had so much because we have had so much especially in this country we've we've been kind of led to believe that we deserve whatever we want and what makes us feel good right we should get the, our way and if we don't it is acceptable for us to cry out against the discomfort that I'm feeling and say, I should not feel these things, or I'm going to do something to make sure that I am made better. And even if that means I have to take advantage of others or devalue other people for the sake of my comfort, for the sake of my future, we will do whatever it takes to make sure that we're met with comfort. And we can have so much that it leads us to acting out when we don't get our way. And I think that there are some things in in that kind of mentality that we can recognize in the life of Jacob, who we're going to talk about today. Um, if you've ever, when we went through the Genesis series, we talked about Jacob for a long time. Jacob is one of the the characters in uh, Genesis that gets the most like book time. Like we are we are in Jacob's life for as much or more as we are in Abraham's life. Jacob is just such a pivotal character, such a pivotal person in the history of God's story and the way that he was going to build his nation. And, and if you remember when we were going through the book of Genesis, and this has been a, long, a, a while now since we were talking about Jacob, man, he was kind of a sneaky, deceptive, little annoying punk sometimes, Right? He was like, I, I, I kind of want to get my way, even to the point that, that, and we, we may read a little bit of it in just a second, even to the point that he wrestles with God and says, I demand that you bless me. Or, yeah, I'll do what you want if you'll give me something in return. And this is just kind of who he was. And, and what? And again, my hope is not to just destroy everybody in Bible history and be like, none of these guys are great. But instead, find the flaws in their characters that some of us might relate to differently so that we can recognize that in ourselves and not feel helpless, but feel hopeful that Jesus can redeem us even from those things. So this morning, we're going to start by looking at Jacob, whose name literally means like deceiver, right? So if you're in Genesis chapter 25, I'm going to start in verse 29. And this is just, just going to give you an example of what Jacob's relationship with his brother Esau was like, because uh, if you want to think of it this way, if you want to go by the way people would kind of describe them today, uh, Esau, man's man, can grow a beard, probably would wear flannel if they had it at the time, probably chop down many trees just so he could build himself his own dinette set to sit at and carve the meat that he killed. Like, that was Esau. Like, like, think Ron Swanson, think Esau, okay? That's Esau. And then you've got Jacob, who's more like me, <laughs> like probably smaller than, probably sang in a higher octave, probably seemed a little wimpy, probably a little manipulative, occasionally deceptive. That's Jacob. Jacob, uh, mama's boy. Hi, mom. Yeah, I, I keep her at my church just in case. I, I, just in case I need her. So so that's, the, that's who these two guys are. Very different twins. Very different. But, but yet, the, and their relationship was always met with all of the struggle and kind of pushed back and forth. So, so let's just, just, here's an example of their relationship in Genesis 25. Starting in verse 29. I said, once... When Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field. He was exhausted, probably because he'd actually been working hard that day. Esau was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, "Swear to me now." So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, now we could get into a character study on Esau and his poor decision-making here just as easily about how foolish it is to look at, you know, the temporary thing that seems like something that I want and trading away, you know, the long-term goals and that sort of thing. We we could could make a case about Esau not being super wise in this moment, and that's true. But I want to focus on where Jacob's mentality was in this. His brother, right? His, His flesh and blood comes to him saying, I am starving, and I see that you're cooking food. Can I have a little bit of that food? For most of us, I would hope that it, when our family comes and says, hey, I'm kind of hungry, do you have anything to eat? That they would say, yes, here's the pantry with all the snacks. Or yes, here's the, the canned goods, make yourself something, right? That, that, would be, that would be kind of a normal thing to say. But, but Jacob sees this as an opportunity to advance his position to think only of himself and not think of Esau's needs, not think of what somebody else needs, but instead says, I'm not going to be generous in that way. Instead, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to prop myself up. I'm going to take advantage of, of the discomfort that Esau's feeling for the sake of making myself better off. And so he says, sell me your birthright. Basically, he's saying, give me first position in line as our father's son. Like... Esau was, they're twins, yes, but Esau was born first. So Esau had all these extra rights as the oldest son to inherit from his father when his father would ultimately die. And what Jacob is saying is, I want you to give me all of those things that you were born into, all of those rights that you were born into. And Esau, looking at the short term, saying, I'm hungry. I'd rather have food than think about all of that long term stuff, says, Whatever. I'm about to die anyways. None of it's worth it to me. Which, to be honest, probably a little dramatic. Probably a little dramatic. So, so Esau comes in says, give, give me some of this stew. I'll give you whatever it takes. And, and Jacob takes advantage of the weakness of his brother to, to, to prop himself up and to take advantage. Now, 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 here's the thing. And here's what we know. God had told... Isaac, his father, look, these two guys are going to spar. And ultimately, the older brother is going to serve the younger brother. This was God's plan. So, so what Jacob is doing is, is working out of God's plan, even though he's being kind of selfish along the way. Even though he's being kind of... Um, sn- not, not so much sneaky. He gets sneakier here in just a second. But um, not very generous doing what he can to propel himself above his brother, trying to put himself in a position that, culturally speaking, he did not deserve to be, and he's trying to take something that should not have been his. And God is working in all of this. And so sometimes I I just want to point out, because this is kind of a key theme throughout this, even if we find ourselves attaching ourselves to some of these folks from the Bible, and we say, man, I really do see a lot of that in me. And man, I did, I remember when I fell and I did this and this and this, and I sinned in these ways, or I was selfish in these ways. Or maybe you were like like Jacob and you were kind of manipulative or not generous in these ways. And you're like, I did all those things. It's not okay for us to sin, but it's okay for us to look back on our past sin and see that God was using those moments along the way to propel His plan forward. To have a bigger picture, it doesn't just end with those sins. Just like Jacob's story doesn't end there. If you still have your Bible open and you want to turn to Genesis chapter twenty-seven, um, many years later, uh, Jacob and Esau's father Isaac is getting very old, and he says to Esau, "I want you to go out. I want you to kill me something because I know that you you are you are a hunter, and I love it when you go and you cook some good meat. Bring me something good, some good meat to eat, because eating meat is." Is, is things that God-fearing people do, right? Steak, good, right? So go out, get me something, cook it, bring it back to me, let's have something to eat, and then I'm going to bless you. Well, at the time, he's saying this, uh, Jacob and Esau's mother overhears this. She overhears this conversation, and she goes to Jacob and says, hey, there's an opportunity here for you to steal your brother's blessing. While he's out hunting, because that will take time and effort and work, And things that he's going to have to go apply himself to you you go dress yourself up like your brother i'll cook something that we already have and you can take it to your father and you can steal your brother's blessing and so jacob does this and and so if you pick up here in verse let's start in verse 18 and i'm gonna read through verse 29 it says so he went into his father and said my father and he said here I am. Who are you, my son? So he's giving him this opportunity. Are you, are you sure you're going to go through with it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Again, he's giving him an opportunity here. He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Oh man, we're just digging deep now. God, God helped me lie to you. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize it because his hands were hairy like his brothers. Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, "...bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you." So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, "'Come near and kiss me, my son.' So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, "'See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine.'" Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And now I need not tell you that when his brother found out about this, that he was very upset. <laughs> he was very upset. He was not at all pleased with what he found out. Because he goes into his father, he said, but father, you can bless me too. And he says, no, I've already given my blessing out to, Jason, to, J- to Jacob. And he says, I'm going to instead, I, I, I have a word for you though. And he basically lays out this big curse on his son. He's like, man, kick a guy while he's down, right? But but here's the thing. And then this this essentially broke Jacob and Esau's relationship for a very long time. Jacob ends up running away because he's so afraid of his brother's revenge over what he's done because what is it that he has done? He has he has manipulated. Not to again, we talked I, I called him a mama's boy earlier, but he picked up on some of his his mama his mama's leading here, right? She said, "We can go take advantage of this because you're my favorite son." And I want which which I know I'm not, so that's fine. But, so maybe I'm not completely like Jacob, right? I'm just kidding. But he says, I will take your lead, I will go steal this thing, and I will manipulate my father at a time when he's nearing death and he wants to bless my brother. Again, look at this promise that, that, that is given to him here. At the very end of verse 29, Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. That's very similar to the promise made to Abraham. He's basically passing on the promises that God had given to Abraham before Isaac, right? And he's saying, you will be blessed by God, and everything is going to work this way because that's what God wants. Now, here's the thing. That was God's plan. This was what God wanted. God had said, Jacob was the son through whom which I was going to work. But at the same time, Jacob was taking these things by deceptive means. He wasn't wasn't taking these by honorable means. He was was managing and controlling the situation, right? Just just like his grandmother, right? Think back to to Abraham and Sarah when they didn't know that they were going to have a child. We talked about this just last week. And they said... We can control this. We can manage what God wants. We can get to the point that God wants by, 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 by having a son. You can go have a son with my servant over here. Just like his family, we talked about this. I mean, think back to Adam, and we saw the effects of Adam's lineage down through Cain. The sin that was present affecting everyone. These things are still being picked up. He's still manipulating and trying to control the situation. And I think a lot of times when, you, when we see a lot of these people and a lot of the things that they are guilty of, I think one of the things that kind of is a common theme is trying to control the situation. Either to make yourself feel good because you don't expect to feel discomfort or because you think you know what's best and you can manage it better than God instead of waiting and trusting on Him to move. And this would continue to be a theme, taking advantage of people to benefit himself throughout Jacob's life. It's not going to be on the screen, but a few chapters later in Genesis, uh, chapter thirty, uh, Jacob is working with his father-in-law, a man named Laban, and he's asking for some of his flock to help him to earn some things. And and Laban says, uh, and he says, let me just have let me just have the bad parts of the flock, the ones that, the sheep that are spotted, or the ones that are a little bit weaker. And Laban says, sure, that's great. And then uh, he sets up like a whole system by which all of the flocks begin to have spotted babies and they are not as strong as the others. And he basically steals all of Laban's riches and then leaves with them. Like this is just who, like he he was resourceful. He was smart. He was shrewd. All of these things. He had had some good business mindset, some good business acumen. And and by that, God used those things about Jacob to build him up and to give him lots of wealth, to bless him in lots of ways. However, Jacob himself was kind of a manipulative little annoying guy who who left a wake of hurt feelings and broken relationships everywhere that he went. And you're sitting here saying, that's not the kind of guy God wants to use. And I say, absolutely it is. Why? I have no idea sometimes. Why is it that he's using the deceptive little guy who's taking advantage of people and leaving broken relationships everywhere that he goes? I don't know. Maybe because he promised it to his father that he was going to do that. And God continues to complete the things that he says he's going to do. God is faithful to finish what it is that he starts. Maybe it's also because... Our God, when he, when he decides to use someone, it doesn't just, he doesn't just leave them as they once were. He changes us. He gives us a new identity, which is exactly what happens with Jacob. If you're still in Genesis chapter 28, we're going to read a couple of different conversations that, that Jacob has with God. Genesis chapter 28, I'm going to start in verse 13. wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. This is God saying to the guy who's in the middle of of fleeing his brother, whose relationship he just broke, and is about to go take advantage of his new father-in-law and steal most of his wealth. And this is the promise that God is giving him. I'm going to bless you And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That same promise that was made to Abraham, he is echoing to Jacob. Through the way that he works through Jacob, we will all be blessed. Because God is working these things out. And that's exactly what he said. I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. This is God saying... I'm going to make these things happen in you. It's not just going to happen by chance. You're not going to make this happen. You're not going to work this out. You're not going to be able to manipulate yourself to blessing all of the nations of the world. But instead, I am going to make something of you. But he's in the middle of being this kind of deceptive little rotten fellow, right? So how is he going to do that? Genesis chapter 35. On his way back, on his way back from leaving his father-in-law, he's returning to his home. He's returning back. He's, he's met his brother again. They've kind of reconciled a bit. We get to Genesis chapter 35. I'm going to pick up in verse 9. It says, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I give to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Here's the thing. When God decides he's going to enact his plan through somebody, he picks sometimes seemingly awful people. He picks sometimes seemingly the worst choice for the person that you would want to use going forward. He picks people who are sinful, people who are control freaks, people who want to manage the situation, people who want to manipulate others to elevate their own status, people who are sinful and broken And he gives them a new identity. And I think Jacob is one of the clearest examples of that, because it's not just that he says, I'm going to do something amazing with you. He says, no, 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 you're a completely new person. I'm giving you a new name. No longer will you be known as Jacob the deceiver. I'm going to name you Israel. And from you will a whole nation, and not just a nation, but but many nations, Kings, all of these amazing things are going to come from you because because I am God and I can make you a new person. And that to me is is the biggest deal in this whole series. This whole idea is that the reason we aren't done with people when they're sinful, the reason we're not finished with people when they do things that are wrong. The reason we don't just cut everyone off is because that isn't who they necessarily will be by the time they get to the end of their life. Because our God is not a God who looks at people and says, too hard. I'm done. No, our God is a God who looks at individuals and says, I am going to not just save you, but I'm going to make you into something new and that process if you want to use the churchy term is called sanctification this idea of we are when we are saved we're not immediately changed most of the time sure god is capable of immediately changing us but most of the time and i would imagine for most of you you're like that wasn't the case for me i didn't immediately become just like jesus yay no when we're saved, we begin a process by which God takes us from being the sinful, broken, maybe deceptive person that we are, the manipulative person that we are, the person who's only looking out for ourselves, and instead says, I'm going to take you and I'm going to begin to change you. I'm going to begin to craft you and mold you and shift you and change you into something new, something more more, more honorable, something more holy, something that, that looks more like my son Jesus we get changed from being from being these broken sinful people and then over time through sanctification God changes us and makes us more like himself so I don't know what you see when you look at yourself I'm hoping that each week and again I know the 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 format isn't changing and the format's not going to change if it takes 10 weeks of us just kind of looking at people are bad God makes us different and God uses us even though we're broken If it takes 10 weeks of that, that's great, because every single week we're just being reminded of the truth of the gospel, what God has done. Look what God has done. We sang that, right? By his spirit, through his son, blood. It's one of those. I I get all the verses run together. Who are we that he would save us? Who are we that he would send us? Right? Those are the words that we were singing because those are the things that we are currently experiencing as we're being brought from broken, sinful person toward Christ-likeness, as we're on this, this trajectory toward being more like Jesus. And I hope that as we look at each of these people, maybe you don't connect with Jacob. Maybe you're like, I don't want to manipulate people and take advantage of people. Maybe that's not something that resonates with you. But I'm hoping that along the way, you're able to stop and think about and you're going to be able to look back and say, wow, look at who I have been and look at where God is taking me. Look at the things that I'm seeing God doing in my life. Look at look at how I have changed and look at the the ways that I have become more like Christ. And and, and my hope is that we as the church would just be so overwhelmed by the power of the gospel working itself out in our lives as we've seen it working itself out in the lives of these people in the Bible, that, that when, we, when we think about it, we, we revel at God's goodness in our lives and are confidently able to step out and say to the world, no, 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 we serve a God who can redeem this. We serve a God who can fix this. We serve a God who can make all of these things right. And that is the only answer to the manipulation or the, Or the deception or the controlling or the insert any other number of sinful things that may be present around us now the only answer to all of these things is jesus and the power of the gospel working itself out so i'm going to pray and then we're going to just celebrate what god has done in our lives and pray that god would continue to make us more like his son and then That we would, as we go out from this place, that it wouldn't just be, yes, I feel good because God's changing me, but no, I have an answer for what God can do to fix the brokenness that is around.